I'm Katherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. Before we dive into this episode, I want to address something. When you experience spiritual abuse in a religious context, such as a church, perhaps a family, or a ministry or community, there's a chance when you encounter things that remind you of that community, such as worship songs, sermons, Christian ease, certain language, even the Bible itself. At best, it might rub you the wrong way. At worst, it might be highly, highly triggering. And I'm bringing this up because this is something that I have experienced, that I still experience. And I just wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that as sometimes there are Christian-sounding, religious-sounding, Jesus-sounding, church-sounding language on this podcast. So if that happens to you, I just want you to know you're not alone in that. And just speaking out of my own experience, it's something to take really, really slow, especially if you're experience was really recent. So I give you permission, not that you need it. If you ever are triggered by something on an episode or something in an article, you don't have to keep going. You don't have to keep listening. And honestly, if you are triggered, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to reach out to me, shoot me an email, shoot me a direct message on Instagram at Uncertain Podcast on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Today's guest is Tammy Tope, a worship artist who writes music empowering the church to love beyond comfort. If you ask him about the genre of his music, he'll refer to it as horizontal worship because it mobilizes the church, the family of God, to share his love, which is freely given with others, particularly those who are different from ourselves. In so doing, the church becomes an active agent of reconciliation in the world. Temi Tope has carefully curated a distinct sound to spread and reflect this message. We're commenting on the world through our art. We're like, just like, you know, as small as like, as like surface level as like, this is what heartbreak feels like, to as deep as like systematic racism. You know what I mean? Like we are covering a, a variety of topics commenting on society causing things to come up and people to start processing like is this how we actually want to live our lives today we're discussing temi Topi's journey to taking the risk to become a full-time artist and we're going to talk about that and a lot of other things so get ready here's my interview with temi Topi. <laughs> So what do you, what is, what is your like overview? What do you, what do you do? What keeps you busy during the day? Well, I have been on staff at churches 
for like the last six years doing worship or creative, doing stuff like that. But I actually am now transitioning into full-time music. Really? Yes, which is terrifying. I bet. (laughs) Okay. Well, since you brought it up, tell me about that transition. What's it like going from, I mean, church is moderately steady employment to go from that and then to go to, that's a risk. It's a big risk. I mean, that's what's going through my head. Yeah. I I mean, we own a house out here. We have kids. I'm married. Like, it's like, it's pretty gnarly, but it's honestly one of those things like my wife and I, we've been together since we were 16 years old. So it's been a long, long time. And we were talking this morning and like, she's literally been there from like the first band I ever played in to now where I'm at now. And like, yeah, I mean, I played in a metal band and she like, she's just awesome. She's like, she's the sweetest, like five foot redhead, just like very, very sweet. Of course, got fire in her, but she's like, doesn't care for metal. And she's like, well, if you're into it, then I guess I'm into it. (laughs) I love it. So so she's been awesome, super, super supportive. But yeah, I think honestly, it's kind of one of those things where for the sake of everybody, I have to just try it. You know, I mean, what happens. yeah, I've been on staff at really, really great churches. They have problems and there's things that frustrate me about all three, but they're all, they've all been super awesome and giving me a lot of room to like explore and to like figure out like, I love music. So like, am I, is worship being a worship pastor? Is that what I'm, is that kind of what I'm supposed to do or worship artists? Like, where do I kind of fit in here? And they've given me so much grace all three churches so much grace to explore and to figure out which it's really amazing and i'm super grateful for that but yeah i just i think for the sake of literally my my kids and my wife and and myself and and wherever it's just like having this little voice in the back of my head that's like no 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 like you should go you can float you can do it like if you get the boat you know what i mean and it's like i've spent most of my most of my life you know one foot in one foot in the boat one foot on the sand and going like, I think this could float. And sometimes, you know, the, the waves would crash and it would make the boat, you know, kind of float a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, like things are happening. We can make this thing work, but I'm still going to keep one foot in, one foot out. So I'm not really anywhere. Mm-hmm. And now it's like my wife and I are like, you know, and honestly her more than me, she's really been the one that pushed me being like, you need to just do this. You now need to just time. push now it out, see if it floats. And if it doesn't float, then we, at least we tried. But mm-hmm. we're always going to wonder, like, what if, if you don't? So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of going against the what if and just see what happens. Do you have a, like a measuring line for when you say, okay, this is what I want. And okay, this isn't working. What, how are you making that choice? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We def- we've kind of figured out in our minds, like, hey, we're going to try it for a specific amount of time. And during that time, at any point, like we'll obviously like communicate throughout the process, but we're gonna give it a certain amount of time and when that time is up, we'll reevaluate and go, is this working or is this not working? And we might find out before, like we're not gonna white knuckle this thing and be like, you know, or black knuckles since my knuckles aren't white. (laughs) Like, you know, like I'm like, we're not gonna like hold it and be like stake in the sand, like this has to work. Right. We're like, no, we'll be open to whatever, like the Lord is going to be doing and teaching us through this. But we, we, we're going to give it a certain amount of time. And if it doesn't flow, 
it doesn't float and if it does like we'll keep going or if we're like we're closer to it floating then we'll keep going like we'll just kind of evaluate i think what's scary is sometimes going like we're going to just i think what is scary is putting your putting your flag in the sand and being like we're not going to move because i'm like if it's obviously floating like you know like i'm i'm, I'm a father i'm a husband i'm like there's more than just me mm-hmm. right so I'm like, I'm not going to take my whole family down for the sake of my dream. Right. But I'm sure that's a really challenging road to walk and navigate. That's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is, a, this is a thought that I've been having as I've been starting to record for season two and talking to artists is this reality that every artist, like, it's like in their blood and it's like, you know and it's like this thing we're compelled to do we have to do it if we didn't do it we wouldn't be fully human (laughs) but it's so hard to make a living doing 100 that is so much a part of yourself Mm -hmm. and i'm trying and i feel like it's always been that way throughout history you know Itty, you know, John Keats or, you know, maybe rare like Shakespeare or something, but artists don't make money. They're, they're, they're impoverished. So I'm like, why? It's so vital. It is so vital to life, not just for the artists, but for the people that are making the art. Why is it? Yeah. This thing that is, it's so hard, you know, 2% of actors make it, you know, I think it's like 1%. I, I do fiction writing, so like one percent of fiction writers get published traditionally. You know, like just like yeah, it's yeah. just like so. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think what's super interesting about artists and just what we do is, in some ways, we're like philosophers. We're commenting on the world through our art. We're like just like you know, as small as like as like surface level as like this is what heartbreak feels like to as deep as like systematic racism you know what i mean like we are covering a a variety of topics commenting on society causing things to come up and people to start processing like is this how we actually want to live our lives which in as you're saying like there's a lot of importance in that that affects everything and everyone but yeah there's it's hard to make a living hard to make a living doing that And, and i don't know if if I have an answer as to why that is, right. I just think it's very interesting that like, to your point, like what we're the work that we're doing, it's not, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to educate you and think about our teachers. They, they don't make a lot of money. True. You know, our teachers don't make a lot of money. It's really interesting how it's like the people that typically have things to do uh, with like, I, I mean, and I, this is a pretty blanket statement but whatever, we'll just go with it. It feels to me like America loves consumerism because it likes to self-medicate with entertainment. So the jobs that tend to do well are in the realms of entertaining people to self-medicate to not realize how hard life actually is, right? Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. people that are doing the jobs that are not so much that way those tend to be the jobs that are harder. So like your teachers, I think your artists, and you know, I think in some ways, some ways your medical professionals, because like to become a doctor or to become a nurse, like it is a lot of money. So like you sure you make a lot, but you you spent a lot. To so, get there. True. Right. I wonder I wonder if that has to do with it too. And then, you know, like the cream of the crop, like the people that are actually making it. I wonder if, you know, this is me just exploring, 
if they're if if it's because they're leaning more towards the entertainment like they're 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 shying away from the philosophy from the yeah from like the how can we make your life better because mm-hmm. that stuff is too deep for people that are living in a world that's just like hey i guess i'm trying <laughs> that's to too dark myself. we don't exactly yeah you know what i mean right and so i wonder if it's mm-hmm. like so in order to make it you have to like water down water down water down mm-hmm. water down so essentially you're saying almost nothing yeah i think that you're i think you're right about that and there is definitely a distinction and i'm glad that you said that because i do want to make a distinction during this season of a difference between art and entertainment and and they intersect for sure but yeah and i think what you were saying about being philosophers and commenting on society it is truth-telling like artists Mm -hmm. truth tell and we both reflect truth and we proclaim truth like this is Mm. where we want to be and this is where we're going that's good yeah so i yeah i think that that you're onto something there i think you're right (laughs) i like i like what you said the reflecting the truth and proclaiming the truth you know yeah that's how you know you're an artist yeah Yeah, i think that's beautiful and it is true like i think about like what i'm trying to do you know, of course, my background's in the church, and I, I love the church. I'm just, I just, I'm annoyed with the church in the sense of, and, and, and I'm annoyed with the church in the sense that I've been, that I'm annoyed at myself. It's like, we have just been attending, not being, we have fallen to the culture. We, instead of transforming the culture, we are being conformed, mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so as now I'm awakened to that fact, I'm like reflecting back in my music, like this is where we really are. And mm-hmm. this is the truth that we actually believe in. How do we get that truth from going into our ears and out in one ear, out the other, to mm-hmm. actually like into our heads, into our hearts, into our hands, into our feet and like to the streets. Right. Because a lot of the brokenness that the world is, that we see in our world, in my opinion, is because of a lack of ownership from the church, mm-hmm. a lack of the church actually showing up. And I could go into the very specifics of just, you know, my, like, I, I don't think Black Lives Matter would exist if the church really, really was being yeah. the church. I don't think well It wouldn't be would needed. Either. Yeah. I don't think... Or orphanages would exist. I don't think nursing homes would exist. I don't think so many of these things that people tend to have a hard time with, I don't think they would exist if the church was being the church. And so, you know, you know, even going to Black Lives Matter, I will say Black Lives Matter. Of course, I'm a black person. So I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to say like my life matters. But in the same way, I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I believe all lives from, from conception to the grave, all skin colors, all lives matter. And I'll stand with all of them. And if one specific group of life doesn't feel seen known loved or heard then of course i'm gonna say it and it's it's sad to me that the church doesn't they're conflicted about it they're like i don't we don't know what to say we don't know what to what's say. the like, issue what yeah. i'm like it's like it's a life issue i mean yes. like, what did jesus come to do jesus came so that we might have life to the fullest and we should always be standing with life mm-hmm. yeah and i think you pointed out two things we got we're yeah we're getting it we're getting real here getting into it but i think you pointed out two things church is both like falling into this like consumerism culture but then i feel like a lot of the arguments against things like black lives matter or anything social justice is because they're trying to be evangelical and not be like the world and so those two things i think are happening at the same time inside the church and i'm glad you're going to be 
I'm glad you're going to be using your art to talk about that. Well, it's important. What? I mean, like, we yeah. worship with, in, with truth. We worship God in spirit and in truth. And, like, our God is a God of justice. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, people talk a lot about Amos 5, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, look at the cross itself. That is an act of justice, right? Amen. You know, we were, we were given grace. But, I mean, like, for God to not be to have not been a just God, then Jews wouldn't have had to die. Exactly. But he's been like, you know what? Like, it's fine. Like, let's just do whatever and like, you know, and that, and that would be a radical grace, which he does show us in giving us Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So that is unmerited radical grace that we did not have to pay the penalty of our sins. But in the same way, that is justice that Jesus had to die because the wages of sin is death. So I'm like, we have to stand if we are going to be reflectors of our father and he is a God of, of um, unconditional love, unending mercy and justice, then we must be people of unconditional unending mercy and justice absolutely yeah what is your genre what i was on your website and i was listening to it is that the genre that you're hoping to work in or do you have something that you're going to be trying yeah what is what is your job what's your job what is my genre yeah no i mean first off i hate labels okay (laughs) but good to know (laughs) but i i also understand that we live in a world that functions that way you know I, I think that kingdom concepts don't make sense in a fallen world. And because the church has been in large, in, in many ways, tra- conformed to culture, like I will, I'll use the, I will use the world's language to make sense, to awaken the people to the kingdom. You know, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, like I said, I was a worship pastor for like four or five years and that is in me. I really do love the church. I just love the church too much to let it stay the way it is. And so I think it's very important for me to write songs that are, like you said, proclaim the truth and reflect the truth, but in a way that allows congregational engagement. Because what I'm trying to do, you know, there's a genre. In fact, I would say the people that are the most consistently speaking, like in what we're talking to, not necessarily towards the church, but like towards culture saying like, this is where we are and this is where we should be, is like, in my opinion, hip hop. I mean, those people are usually some of the most real artists. And so there's a whole genre of hip hop called conscious hip hop, where there's, there's a guy that I really appreciate his propaganda. And he is always, yeah, you know, he's always talking about these things that I'm talking about. He's always talking about these things I'm talking about, but he's not doing it in a way that necessarily like congregational engagement can happen. You know, it usually is for a specific age demographic. And you, and you probably aren't going to go to a, a, ch- a church that has a rapping in the middle of a, of a music set. Now, Sadly. Exactly. I'm like, is that a bummer? Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know, but that's just not where we are. So I want to be a part of helping that pendulum to swing by kind of taking these concepts that there's people like, you know, Propaganda, King's Kaleidoscope, Natalie Lawrence Sims. Like there's so many just great, John Guerra. There's so many great Christians that are doing this, but it's hard for the church to get out, grab a hold of because, you know, in a church congregation, you got a zero year old and a 100 year old, you know, that's the church I was a part of. I celebrated a one year old birthday and a 100 year old birthday on the same Sunday, same Sunday. So I think that way, I think, okay, how can I create music that proclaims and reflects the truth that is accessible for a one year old, a 10 year old, a 20 year old, all the way to a 100 year old, which means like I might repeat things a little bit more, which means the music might be a little bit more simple, which means I might be won't be as bitey, but I'm still gonna bring some teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I try to try to live somewhere in the middle of all that. And hopefully that can help turn the dial 
so that we can stop calling worship a genre and just call it a way of life. What yeah. you do is worship too. Yeah, Fiction it's writing true. Is you're, yeah, and you're right. And it is kind of like, especially if you're in a more liturgical church, it's like the music part. This is the worship part, you know, and now we're worshiping and now we're reading mm -hmm. the Bible and mm -hmm. we're praying. Well, the whole thing is worship. So the whole thing, yes, the whole thing, not just the music. So I totally agree with you. Backing up a little, what's your creative origin story? How did you start doing what you do? Yeah, yeah. I, my parents put my siblings and I all in music very, very young, very, very young, like five, three and whatever. And that kind of just got music in my system. And I always, from like when I was little, I always was just like, I could hear melodies and play melodies. So like my piano teachers would be like, learn this piece. And I would never learn it. I would just wait till our next lesson. I go, hey, can you play it real quick? Like, I just want to make sure that I learn the parts right. And then they play it and go, sweet. And then I just play it by ear. Wow. And so that, and of course, I mean, I didn't play it perfectly, but it was like close enough. And they, they started to figure it out. So they would like challenge me like, no, like you have to read <laughs> the music. Like, you know, like um, Alex, like our friend Alex, you know, like he is fantastic. Like, I mean, like that is a musician, a true musician. I'm more of like a play by ear. And so that's kind of how I got into music. And I, I wanted to branch off from piano when I got to junior high because I wanted to get girls. And so I was like, well, saxophone, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I was like, all the girls love a good saxophone player. So like, let's, let's do that. <laughs> so right. I, I looked into that and then I figured out what you were saying. I'm like, oh no, they like singers and guitar players. Like, That's <laughs> what I got to do. <laughs> Many a guitar player started you know? this way. Yes. I was like, you know, I'm not going to do the, the saxophone thing, which I think probably still would get a good amount of girls, you know, Definitely. but it was the guitar. It was the guitar. So I learned that guitar, taught myself from the piano basics. So I taught myself guitar. And yeah, then I just started, I just, have, I always had had a knack for like melody and music. So I was writing my own music. And then when I got in high school, I, I joined that metal band I was telling you about earlier. Really, when you look back, you know, you can see like the hand of God and I can just see like, you know, playing. I mean, I literally was playing on the, on the music team at church. And then some of my best friends now, like that playing in the metal band, they're some of my best friends. They're like, dude, we didn't know you could play guitar and sing. We need a singer and guitar player in the band. So then I did that and then they need a bass player. So I made my brother play bass. He'd never played bass before. We just like, we got into there and then we were doing our metal band. And one time our, our singer, our screamer, like, cause there's clean vocals and, and dirty vocals <laughs> of the screamer. He was in the bathroom. So I was just singing and a Sony rep happened to drive by. And so oh, he gets wow. out. It was like very random. And he's like, you like, he's like, your band is great. Like, I'd love to get behind you guys. And we're like, oh, okay, sweet. And so then, he comes out to our show and he's like, I didn't know you were a metal band. I didn't know they were screaming. He's like, but I'll still, you know, I'll still help you guys out. And then he like turned to me and he was like, but you got something. So like, keep doing whatever you're doing. And that really was kind of what gave me more confidence to then start leading worship for the music group. Very so encouraging. And just like growing and growing and growing and then leading just different bands. Like it was just God just bringing situations and people to basically lead me to where I am now, where I'm taking probably the biggest leap of faith that I've yeah. done so far. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm so, I think it's so cool that I get to like talk to you at the beginning of this huge step in your journey. And I can't yes. wait to see what happens. Do and you have a, do you have a favorite piece that you've written or worked on that you, that comes to mind? Yeah. I mean, I, I have this record coming out in January 
um, called Meiji. So it's my second record. I love the whole thing. I mean, all the songs on there are super great. Unfortunately, my favorite stuff right now is the stuff I'm writing now, right? You know how it is. It's like, mm-hmm. as artists, we're always evolving and maturing mm-hmm. and progressing. And so the stuff I'm writing now is my favorite stuff. Um, and that's just not, that's just not out. <laughs> but not my out rec- that's not out yet. But the record that comes out in January, like those are some of my most dear songs. There's a song on there called Place For Me a place for me and that is a a dear fear that song came out of a rebirth of my artistry if you will because i'm very specific on what i'm trying to do right like what i'm trying to do is i am trying to create and lead a music movement that empowers the family of god to be reconcilers through loving you let me let me just read it to you. I just okay. changed it. Okay. Let me just read it to you. Perfect. I'm trying to create a music movement empowering the church to be reconcilers through loving ourselves and others beyond comfort. Right? So like I'm really trying to get people to learn how to reconcile with people that they that like they don't necessarily see the same with. Like, oh well, that person voted for Trump and that person voted for Biden right. or that person believes in uh, gay marriage and that person doesn't or this person believes in abortion and this person doesn't whatever i'm trying to get people to reconcile to come Mm -hmm. together that doesn't mean that you have to necessarily change who you are um, but that just means to learn how to love each other though we disagree and those things that we feel like need to be changed trusting the spirit to do the work of sanctification like he always does we don't get to play part of anybody's healing process beyond journeying with them you know that's one thing Mm -hmm. i've been processing a lot and so that kind of like specific focus as far as what i'm trying to do that happened during the time that song a place for me was written and wow. so that song is like very special what would you say the song was it's about it's about finding your place in the family of god knowing that you are made on purpose for a purpose like i said learning to love your like I, i'm very specifically said learning to love ourselves and others but the most specific piece that's embodied in a place for me is being authentic, being your authentic self. That there's room for you at, at, in the family of God. There's a seat at the table. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to get your life together. You don't have to put on your best, best emotional self or your mm-hmm. best clothes. You just come as you are and you find a space. And if there's a space for you, there's a space for somebody else. Where have you experienced or seen art to be healing? Mm, definitely again going back to that time when i wrote a place for me with some buddies out in atlanta that whole experience was very healing very very healing for me there was a buddy that said heaven doesn't look like me or you it looks like us Mm. and that kind of was the backdrop for everything that we were doing that weekend all of the music that was being created like it was like no one could unforget that i mean like literally that was Mm. back in march i still remember it clearly and so that was really powerful to me to like be in a space where you're like, oh my gosh, like, like they want mm-hmm. me here as me. They want me to express myself and musically as me. They're not saying that they kept saying over and over again, stop trying to write for a genre. Stop trying to write for a specific artist. Just write what the Lord puts in your heart. Mm-hmm. And like, that was so healing. Cause I think so many times in the past, I'm like, well, I'm trying to write a song that sounds like this band or this church or this artist. And it was the first time that they were like, I had permission to be like, no, no, just write like you. No mm. one's going to write like you. But that was super powerful. And then I think there's also this, there's, her name is Natalie Lauren. That's her artist name. She's got some very, very powerful music that talks about just like learning how to love and value 
yourself. And I think that's a hard thing for the church to talk about because yeah. we're like, oh my God. It's about Jesus. Jesus. Right, Jesus. right. And I'm like, but <laughs> Jesus loves you and you got to learn how to love you too. And so I think that it's hard to love somebody else fully if you don't love yourself fully. Mm. And love is not agreement. You know what I mean? I'm learning to love myself while still not agreeing mm-hmm. with the sin in my life. And I just know that as I'm learning to love myself, I'm, I'm walking in the fullness of who God has called me to be because God's called Temetape to be something very specific. Like he's called Captain to be something mm-hmm. very specific. I have to be real about like where I'm at and I have to be comfortable also with where I'm at, even if it's uncomfortable and he will do the healing work of moving me towards where I need to be as me. I cannot be what God has planned for you and you cannot be what God has planned mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. If you were going to tell the church one thing that you wish the church knew about art or recognized about art, what is something that you might say? That's a good question. What came to my mind instinctively was look beyond the lyrics. Mm. Like what, what is this song really trying to say? Right, again, if artists are philosophers, what are they really trying to say? And how can that make your life better? Or how can that make you more like Jesus? That would be what mm-hmm. I would say. You know, I would think we just, we sing songs and don't always, we sing them out and we don't always let them, we don't always let them soak in our spirit. We read scriptures out. We don't always let it soak in our spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would it's say very, it's, it's, it's cerebral. It doesn't mm-hmm. embody. We don't take mm-hmm. these things into our bodies. I have a fun question. Book? song movie or tv show that is meaningful to you right now (laughs) it can be anything okay there's a song called kingdom of god by john goera that means a lot to me right now why does it mean a lot to you oh i just feel like what the way that he is painting like what the kingdom of god looks like it, it, it makes me motivated to go and be that, right? He actually has two songs, Kingdom of God and Citizens. Citizens is also really great. I feel like, like I've heard Citizens. Oh, it's so John good. Guerra? Yeah, it's like G-U-E-R-R-A, like Guerra, Guerra. I could be okay. saying it wrong, but he's amazing. All right. Yeah, it's been good. And my wife and I are both, what's cool about like my journey, so I'm obviously, like I'm black, my wife is white. And so... What's been really cool is we've been journeying through just this like identity, being who we're called to be and learning how to stand up for that, right? So like her learning her, her space, her voice in space in Black Lives Matter as I'm learning my space and voice in Black Lives mm. Matter. We're like going through that together, which is really powerful because we have kids and our kids are mixed. And so like mm. we can come at it from our different perspectives and, and help our kids to navigate the world. But John Goera um, has just been a really important I guess, philosopher in our, in our house. Mm. We're playing his music all the time. And just like, we resonate so much with what he's saying. It's good. Mm. I'm going to listen to that after I listen to your album, just not necessarily on the subject of art, but what are the main differences between the way that you and your wife navigate your place? Just identity. 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, I, I wish she was awake to tell you herself, <laughs> but she's got a very interesting perspective, of course, because she's white, married to a black man, but she's also a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's some things that she's able to relate to in terms of feeling disadvantaged that she's able to relate to as a woman that connect to me being a black man. There's a very real reality that because of, I mean, because of how she grew up and because of where we grew up, she doesn't understand why some things make me nervous, right? Like why being in certain areas make me nervous. But what I love is she's created, for lack of a better way, say it's safe, a safe place for each other where we can be like, hey, like this is what bothers me and why. Mm. And it's not like, a, I think that's stupid or mm -hmm. like you're totally wrong or whatever. It's just like, okay, I, I, I hear that and I'll sit with that and even if I don't see it that way still, like I'm going to respect and honor you mm -hmm. both ways. It's not like I'm like, dude, I'm the dude. So like, you gotta like stick in whatever. <laughs> it's like, you know, our marriage is a partnership. We are 100% in this together. It's 50-50. And so I'm, I'm learning to, to listen and respect and value and honor what she has to say in the same ways that she has with me. Yeah, she really, like, for example, I went to a Black Lives Matter rally back in, like, I think it was April or May, and she really wanted to go. Really wanted to go, but I was like, I really don't want you to go mm. <laughs> because Idaho's an open carry state. And so, and where it's, it's a largely conservative, you know, state, which I say, like, kind of with a little annoyance because I, I don't find myself anywhere politically. I'm a political, I'm politically homeless and I'm proudly politically homeless mm -hmm. because no party perfectly represents the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so my allegiance is to heaven and my allegiance to heaven and my citizenship of heaven, hopefully me thinking and voting and acting in that way blesses the country that I'm a part of or the state specifically or the mm -hmm. neighborhood. So yeah, it was just interesting because I didn't want her to go because, of course, I'm a little bit more aware mm -hmm. um, as to what the environment is around there. Mm -hmm. You know, and she's a little like, and she's growing in her knowledge. And but I, I mean, I love, I love her bravery. Like I mm -hmm. love, you know, she's like, mm -hmm. she's like, hey, like I want to go and I want to be there. And I'm like, look, like literally, if one of us dies, like if both of us die, like that sucks. If one of us dies, like that mm -hmm. sucks. But at least our parents have one. Our kids have one parent. Not that mm -hmm. it, not that I thought that, but I'm just like, look, like yeah this is like you got to be thinking big picture here of like what this mm -hmm. is and and the real dangers there and things and so i don't yeah. know if that really answered your question no it does yeah for sure no and i think that that's yeah just really cool because i feel like you guys are probably creating just in your marriage what you're hoping for for the church and for the world and oh yeah that's really no, you're awesome. absolutely right i mean i don't I mean, I guess you, I think you said art is truth telling. I think that, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, the reason I'm so passionate about reforming the church in some ways, you know, like getting us to be active in the work of reconciliation is because like, I need it, like in my life, mm -hmm. all the things I sing about and talk about, these are all things that like, I actually mm -hmm. am learning and embodying and being, you know, and so I think that's what makes it truth telling too. It's just like, we're not speaking from a place of just like theory, like we're like speaking right. from experience and like personal yep. experience. Not always, but I think a large amount of artists are, where it's just like, personally, this is how I relate to this or whatever. And then I'm commenting mm -hmm. on that. 
Yeah. And proclaiming where we need to be comes out of a very real belief in something's not right and we need to right. be over here. Right. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, you can't go there unless, unless you've been there. And we, and we're in the get to your point, like part of the proclaiming is proclaiming like where I need to be mm -hmm. and we, but I'm not saying like, this is where y'all need to be. And I'm already there. I'm like, no, no, we all got to get there. Like it's a problem in all of us. Yes, it is. Well, I am so excited that you are truth telling and that you're taking this journey and it is a big risk, but the world needs you and needs your art and i'm so excited thank and you thank you for taking time to share your story it's fun absolutely so fun I thank it. you for featuring me and allowing me to be in your space it's been really cool i'm excited for you this is a cool space you got well this has been so great i loved getting to know you and i hope one day to meet you in person go to one of your concerts it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome one day it will happen. I know it. Yes. We'll be back to normal. <laughs> it'll be a new normal, but it'll be fine. It'll be great. Exactly. It'll be awesome. We're going to yeah. need art. We're going to need art, man. That's yeah. true. Gonna oh, a lot of art. A lot of art's being made right now. We know it. Mm-hmm. That's going to explode. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Katherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time. You say, you say that it's gone,